0: Cliffcentral.com.
1: okay. Thank you so much to Gareth and the team. Unreal.
0: Uncensored.
1: Unradio. Cliffcentral.com. <laughs> I always forget that thing. Damn it, man. Thanks to Gareth and the team. Back again tomorrow, 6 to 9. Hello and welcome. It is Rory and Levy here again, 9 to 10 o'clock. Good morning to Sanbonan, Rory.
2: Sanbonan.
1: Ooh, woof. So listen, um, what did you do for your 67 minutes? We Uh, know what the rich kids did.
2: Uh, uh, did I have
1: Uh,
2: 67 minutes? uh,
3: (laughs) Ah, Rory. Well,
1: that's, that's an interesting question. There's a lot of people that are asking after the 67 minutes of Mandela Day, where corporates did Mandela Day the day before because it was just easier. Uh, the rich kids of Wuzu turned up instead of helping out. It really made us think, what is Mandela's legacy? It's been a lot of discussions. Um, throughout our young democracy and murmurs about this Mandela rainbow nation, the legacy that he left, uh, was he selling out um, or was he the hero that that all the books and historians claim him to be? Is he the savior or the sinner? And really, we want to discuss this. We want to unpack this. Did Mandela sell out specifically black people? Rory, being our resident black person, <laughs> how do <laughs> you feel about this topic?
2: uh me you know what um i am firmly on the side of those that say that mandela did not sell out i think he was dealt a, a deck of cards that uh anyone in his position um you know might have reached a similar conclusion when you know there was bloodshed um IFP and anc were going at each other there, there was a lot at stake um so i don't think that he was a sellout but I've heard the arguments from people who say, um, no, he, he was a sellout. And, and I hear them. I hear them. I don't think these are rabid, angry people who just, you know, don't think. These are people who've thought about it and they've reached that conclusion. I disagree, but they've got a point. I get them.
1: All right, let's take it back to the days of 1994, shall we? Let's find out what it was like to go through our young democracy's transition. South Africa inspired the world as millions of people queued patiently to vote in the country's first democratic elections.
4: Nelson Mandela inspired people from all walks of life from
5: all over the world. Even General Adolf Hitler was much better than Nelson Mandela. I stand here before you,
0: not as a prophet, but as a humble servant of you. People.
5: it is because of this Nelson mandela that even south africa the jews and the white settlers they don't even respect our human rights we
0: are going forward the march towards freedom and justice is irreversible
5: they exploit our our wealth and exploit our labor in this country
0: we are not concerned with murders. the police are still killing our people we are not concerned with leaders. Vigilante groups are openly arming themselves. We are practical men and women whose solutions are dictated by the actual conditions existing in our country. As somebody has said, we do not care whether the cat is black or white as long as it can catch mice. The old order is crumbling, but the age of freedom has not yet dawned. But uh, for anybody who changes his principles, depending on whom he is dealing, that is not a man who can lead a nation.
2: You see, you see how, you know, that does not sound to me like a a sellout. A guy that is in the process of busy selling out and, and, and he's saying those things, you know, it's a... It's very difficult to, and and you know the, the interesting thing, the people who are calling Mandela a traitor, it's all of us little pipsqueaks, right? <laughs> sitting in the in the comfort of your of your home, and you you've never picked up so much as a gun, uh, you've never gone to so much as a march, but you're so quick to just jump and say Nelson Mandela was a sellout. Who? Where do you get the goal? Sibete we call it You know in English I just It doesn't come Sibete The liver The liver (laughs) To say
1: Mandela was a,
2: was a traitor. No,
1: no, 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 no. All right. We're going to be discussing this all of, uh, all of today. One hour of, of this incredible discussion. Join us on WeChat. We he, want to hear your views. Go to cliffcentral.com. 861 189 What are your thoughts? You can hit us up on Twitter as well at yebo underscore L-E-V-Y or at rory shabalala. Let us know your thoughts about was Mandela a sellout? Look, we, we gave you a bit of context with, with those sounds just to bring up the emotions, but let's, let's hear from someone who was living that story, um, along with Mandela. Um, we have a very acclaimed journalist with us here in studio. She is nothing other than Deborah Pater, obviously one of the biggest journalists of our time in South Africa, now a correspondent on the African continent for CBS. Um, Deborah, good morning to you. Hi. Have, wait, let's see if we can do that again. Hello. Hi there. There we go. Okay. One of these works. I'm just not sure which one it is. Um, Deborah, we wanted to bring you in just to hear a little bit of context around what it was like leading up to the elections and then post those elections. But I think before that, it's very important to give that context. Hey, Roar.
2: Yeah. So, so, you know, as somebody who lived, as somebody who lived in that, in that era, um, you were there. Um, people don't know that you spent time in, in prison um for your activism um you know we, we just want to get the picture and and for you to tell us what do you think? Did he sell out? Because you you suffered for the struggle that he was also leading. Um So do you feel that he sold out on the struggle that you that 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 you were a part of that you were incarcerated for?
3: Of course I don't. I mean I think it's an absurd premise. I know in radio you got to have you know black and white and nothing's very nuanced, <laughs> balanced. Um, but I do. I think it's ridiculous to even suggest that. I think the people who sold out are us. South Africa sold Nelson Mandela out and sold his legacy out because what he did was spent 20, I mean, no one spends 27 years in jail and then gets to be called a sellout. He spent 27 years in jail. He always had one goal, and that was equal rights for all. Um, he came out of jail. He offered an olive branch to white South Africans who were in fear, you know, were stockpiling tins of beans and stuff like that because oh, they thought that there scenes? was this revolution oh happening. Um, and what we did was we slapped him in the face. We spat at him because... I think Nelson Mandela's failing was that he believed people would be good, that if he appealed to their better angels, they would respond in kind. Mm. And instead, what white South Africa by and large did was um, got the benefits of not being under apartheid. We were no longer, as Mandela liked to say, the skunk of the world. We had this great passport, a cool president. We were hip. We were happening. And we could hold on to our wealth. So every time a white South African does that, they slap Nelson Mandela in the face. Forget making sandwiches. And every time a black person in power abuses it, they slap him in the face. N- Nelson Mandela saved us from a political bloodbath.
2: Was it was it not needed, though? Did, did we not need – was that not the sellout, that he actually expected people to be good? People who had not proven to be good in all those years – now he expects them to all of a sudden be good. Why didn't we just – I mean, people speak about this thing as though he had no alternatives. There was an alternative. We just go in, yank white people out of their houses, uh, march them to the sea, as as was said at the time, and and take over, like a literal take over. Was that not a sellout? Why did he have to let's, do that?
3: Let's just take a step back and remember what it was like in the early 90s. There was violence raging in the township. My job was to go out every single day. I was a young journalist and spend time in townships around Johannesburg where there was war raging. So, in fact, the elections brought peace to places like Tokosa, where Inkatha Freedom Party was fighting the ANC. IFP, under the guise of being sort of black-on-black violence is what it was dubbed, but we now know, was fueled by a white apartheid third force. De Klerk turned a blind eye to this. Nelson Mandela was at the helm when this kind of violence was going on. The IFP did not want to participate in the elections. The right wing was fermenting revolution. We know now they were trying to assassinate Nelson Mandela. We've heard the trials. constant Foyoun and Mangasuta Buthelezi did not want to participate in the elections. And if they had not participated in the elections, who knows what would have happened. We already saw, we forget, tumultuous violence. I mean, do you not remember those images of white Afrikaner racists being shot in the head? by angry black policemen in Botswana because they were fed up of those um, IFP MPs with red dooks and pangas going around slashing people. I mean, we could have had something like we've seen elsewhere in Africa and our borders. That was the context at the time. There was hectic violence in this country. And Nelson Mandela... Had to deal with that. He had to deal with it to prevent a political bloodbath in this country.
2: What do you say then to those that say, well, the prime beneficiaries of that peace were actually then white people, because yes, a few, uh, you know, a lot of black people died, but ultimately it's white people have gotten off scot free.
3: You speak to anyone who lived in Tecosa at that time, because after the election, when the violence ceased, it was a big change. I mean, there was, There was a relative amount of peace. I mean, people were literally, we would go around that township. I mean, you've probably all read the book, The Bang Bang Club, which they made a movie with. It's true. And, and, and we'd, the, the, the mortuary van would come and collect the dead every day. We forget how bad it was. And so, do you, do you, discard the fact that peace was actually brought, that people could actually hold on to their lives in this township. Now, I accept the view that perhaps Nelson Mandela spent too much time on the symbols of reconciliation in trying to draw white people in at the expense of economic freedom. Mm. But but history is not stat- is not sort of, you know, static. It doesn't just stay in one place. It moves. History moves. It wasn't only Nelson Mandela's job to negotiate this kind of settlement. It was the job of all of us and the job of ANC leaders who succeeded Nelson Mandela to ensure that economic freedom for all happened. But instead, we chose a capitalist system which benefited a few.
2: So so you are saying that the white people are the prime beneficiaries of the settlement. Absolutely.
3: I think I, I I, don't disagree with that. I don't think Nelson Mandela sold out, but I do think whites benefited. Whites are greedy, they are lazy, and they have refused to make changes in this country. And that's why I think they are appalling. I get so angry with white people. Oh, Nelson Mandela here is such a wonderful person. I wish everyone could be like him, because we're so scared of black anger. Black people in this country have a right to be angry. And I understand people wanted to see people marching on that hideous union building which was a symbol of apartheid and overthrowing it we didn't get that in this country we didn't get that kind wow. of almost catharsis and so there is all this kind of anger and the fact that people are still suffering because there's economic deprivation
1: deborah just on this point i mean you, you've raised a, a really interesting issue saying that white people are to blame a little bit on this not didn't, a little a lot didn't do enough you as a white person, what would you do? You know, you've, you've seen the hatred. You were in the townships at the time. You've seen now the transition, right? Mm. What would you give up so that, you know, we could create a better, more balanced South Africa?
3: Well, I think there are a number of things. I think the first thing, I mean, I read a really good article after the killings in America, which is racked by racism, despite, you know, years since the civil rights movement. And this. it was a black man, a preacher, talking about how, Black people live in institutionalized racism racism every single day. And not only that, they then suffer the double injustice of having to go and explain to everyone else and defend it and say, mm. yes, it really does exist. And I think that's the first thing is that white South Africans, they so quickly want to move into the future. We cannot be ahistorical. We have to understand our past. We have to understand the horrors that we came from, the atrocities that were caused by the apartheid oppressors, and that there has to be some kind of reckoning. A lot of white South Africans just ignored that Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which was very flawed. It favored the perpetrators. But at least it went some way to stopping the bloodletting. So I think that's the first thing, is not to try and move on quickly, to actually listen and try and understand and accept and say, you know, we deserve a measure of black anger.
1: Would you give up any of your economic wealth?
3: It's very hard. I mean, look, I was an activist. I was never very wealthy and I don't come from a particularly rich family. Um, but I, but I am lucky. I mean, I'm white and I'm privileged and I live in a, I live a very good life, which actually has only come to me, to be honest, post apartheid. Um, I, I, I did a very interesting interview with Mark Solms, who owns Solms Delta wine farm. Mm. And they gave up the land and gave it back to the workers. But he said to me, let me tell you, he agonized and struggled and he was angry about it. it was very, very hard to do, particularly because he didn't feel it was his fault. Yeah. And that is a hard thing to do. I do understand that. But, but nobody, but white people weren't being asked to give up everything they had. They were simply being asked to make certain kinds of adjustments and have a measure of economic action within their firms and companies. And now we have a host of Re- legislation to ensure that's happening because white people and business leaders in particular were too damn selfish to do anything about it at the time. That's the slap in the face of Nelson Mandela. That honestly is the sellout for this country.
1: Well, let's let's go back and, and hear some of the voices and obviously they don't res- represent all of the white voices back in the day, but this is what Nelson Mandela had to deal with and it gives you some kind of insight into where we've come from. Um, I think his name was Ted Koppel today an amazing interview, one of the first interviews with Nelson Mandela when he went to America in 1990. Um, But have a listen to a gentleman by the name of Kurs Becker.
4: I'm a South African. I'm an Afrikaner. I want self-determination for my people in a part of South Africa. You can't have the whole South Africa for yourself. A part of it belongs to my people. Nelson, You're not going to nationalize the assets of the white people. I have worked for my banks, my mines, my businesses, and my farms. You are not going to take it. Stop your violence. Stop your sanction campaign. Stop your nonsense. Leave the violent campaign alone. And come and sit down, become a normal person, and talk, and maybe that way. We can find solutions. And lastly, forget communism, Nelson. It's gone. And I hope you will be well. I believe you were ill. I hope you will recover. and have a good journey.
0: There we go. van Harte. Uh, There
2: you go. There's the man right there. When I listen to this, my blood boils, you know. And and the interesting thing is that's the exact same sentiment that having this type of conversation in this day and age you get faced with. Stop your nonsense. Who the... You think you're telling me stop your nonsense. Come and sit down like a normal person.
1: What is a normal person? Now remember, now that's is, not, that's still an apartheid when that interview went down.
2: And this is, so, so, so this is Nelson. He's confronted with this guy across the table and his response is, an is that not a sellout? Was he not supposed to put this guy in his place though? Is, is that what black people, you know, you're not allowing us to express our anger. And as a result of that, um, we are we are now being undermined by people who think that we, we can't express anger, by people who who just think that we you know we we just let things be. Was that a sellout for black people? But
3: let's have a look at history, Rory. I mean, if there had been bloodletting, if whites had been driven into the sea, if that anger had been allowed to spill out, if you know, would it would that have made so, would South Africa be any different today? I don't think so. I mean, it takes a lot more courage to be peaceful, to bring the enemy in. Let me tell you a story about Konstantin Fuljoun. Konstantin Fuljoun was a leader of the Freedom Front. He was fermenting revolution. They were plotting the overthrow if black people came into power. And Nelson Mandela, through guile, cleverness, charm, he was a wily politician, not this charming, avuncular man everyone makes him out to be, drew him in. And finally, when Constant Follion participated in the election and actually sat down with him, and took him um, on the first day of the opening of Parliament, um, Folion was amazing. I said to him, you know, so, so Mandela walks in; he's now president of the country. Folion is asked, like, you know, what do you think um, of 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 this now that he's, you know, he's come here? Um, Mandela went over to his old friend Spoke to him and said I'm so glad to see you here Fulion The man who'd been plotting to kill him To overthrow the black government And I said to Fullion, So what did you say when Mandela came to you And he said I said nothing I stood to attention Because this was my president mm. The ability to turn your captor into your comrade We are the ones who failed
2: um, But for what? What that's what that's what uh, This young generation is saying um, For what we we're still Poor so yes I've got a guy to Stand at attention big woo. So uh, why blame
3: Mandela why not blame the? You know I mean look at the current situation In South Africa you have white Business that doesn't want to give up Much unless they bludgeoned over the Head with legislation and a government Led by um, Jacob Zuma Who steals money meant For the poor to build a fancy home
2: Well so uh, Cameron mudisani uh, wrote an, an article um, where he said that Nelson Mandela's ANC sold us out. And what he's saying is that um, the loan included – so we received a loan from, from the IMF around the time. And he says the loan included the following terms and conditions which Mandela's ANC gladly accepted when they signed the deal and sold out the economic struggle – lower import tariffs, cuts in state spending, large cuts in public sector wages, free trade routes, excessive f- flight capital, off the borders of SA, as he puts it, privatization of state-owned enterprises, fiscal-controlled economy, and lastly, but very importantly, the ANC must move away from its radical position of nationalization of mines, banks, other strategic industries of the economy, and to abort its policy of expropriation of land as documented in the Freedom Charter. So young people today are saying that was a sellout. You know, to get a guy to stand in tension, Means nothing uh, To get him to respect me Was it real respect If he could not give away The one thing that he valued the most Money
3: mm, I agree with that mm. I don't disagree with that I mean I think I, I really understand Why people say that Because it is so disappointing This country has been A disappointment mm. In the way we have Squandered that legacy But I think to blame One person is foolish And, and so what can Mandela Be blamed for Not having the foresight To see ahead Into the future not having the foresight to see that people wouldn't do the right thing not having the foresight to see that his ensi comrades wouldn't do the right thing you know history is a very 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 accurate um uh, medium when you look at it in retrospect yeah, in
1: just to, to bring everyone in here, we are we are speaking on Cliff Central about whether Nelson Mandela was a sellout to black people in South Africa. Deborah Patter speaking to us. Uh, she's the foreign correspondent, African forest co- foreign correspondent for CBS, and of course we know her from her days at Third Degree. A lot of you don't know that she went to jail solitary confinement uh, against uh, the apartheid regime. So an activist in her own right. Deborah, in the interesting thing that that. Came out in some of the articles that we read was this TRC debate. Nelson Mandela, a big proponent of the TRC, arguably a fantastic initiative, um, led by Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Do you think that the TRC gave liberal white people an out? Because it looked at the extremities, right? The people that did the worst things in society and didn't actually give, you know, black people normal black people and normal white people the opportunity to actually vent their, you know, black people to vent their rage against normal white people Mm -hmm. who, who just benefited effectively. There was no TRC for the normal white and black person in South Africa.
3: Yeah, And it would have been too complicated to try and organize that. But, I, I mean, I get that. I think that is a valid point. I think it began, though, with the failings of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission because the Truth and Reconciliation Commission favored the perpetrators. Nobody had the guts to really go through and prosecute. I mean, we tried with uh, Milan. They tried with Besson, but they couldn't make sort of stuff stick because you weren't getting people coming forward. And so you had Eugene de Kock on whom we vented everything. Mm. I mean, he was an atrocious, evil human being. But he wasn't the only one, and he was acting on orders. But nobody who gave those orders, unlike what we saw in Nazi Germany, was ever brought to trial or ever brought to book. And the problem is is that we so wanted to get some kind of truth out that we made all those kind of compromises. And look at how we struggle with justice in this country now.
1: I think the other thing that that was interesting to me upon reading the TRC, no one who upheld the law was put in front of the TLC either. The judges, the high court judges who put so many people to death, who, who allowed this craziness to continue, none of them came forward either.
3: Absolutely. And, and and there was no space made available for that. People are very cowardly. It was so difficult for people to even tell the truth. They tell a bit of the truth. They tell kind of what they knew people maybe knew and had found out about them and they kind of were forced into a corner. Mm-hmm. And, and it was remarkable on some levels, which is why it's copied elsewhere in the world. But it certainly wasn't enough. Um, and I think that, that for example there's been a cause for an economic truth and reconciliation commission. Um there's all sorts of things. But that's the point. The work is not done and it doesn't start with one person. Cadesa was the most flawed negotiations process. I sat through it. People were making decisions at three in the morning, sipping back, you know, shots of espresso and probably stronger stuff <laughs> and bioplus to stay awake.
1: It is a interesting discussion we're having here on Cliff Central. Was Nelson Mandela a sellout to black people? Uh, an organization that has been very, very vocal in this space is the PAC, P-A-Y-C-O. Have I got that right? P-A-Y-C-O. Is that correct? P- PICO, okay, PICO is the, the organization. Um, they've been very, very vocal around Mandela selling out black people. We heard, uh, former spokesperson, Selot Klabi, uh, uh, a few years back saying how he equated Nelson Mandela to, uh, Adolf Hitler. Um, good morning to you, Tabani. Welcome to the show. You're the president <laughs> of, of uh, the, the, uh, PAYCO. P-A-Y-C-O. Uh, you wanted to interject. There, I'm right? sorry.
2: He he did not. He did not. He said he said Adolf Hitler was better than Nelson mm. Mandela because Adolf Hitler at least uh, uh, did best for the Jew, for, for 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 his people uh, against the Jews, whereas Nelson Mandela capitulated. That that those were those were the words. Is that right, Tabani? Of course, of course.
1: And do you hold by that,
5: Tabani? Uh, not necessarily that we hold by that uh, it's a, it's a pure and a, and a pure understanding that we have as an organization. And uh, I would like to take it much more further uh, to say in, in simple language, when we we engaged in a revolution as, as Africans, it was purely meant that we must be able to defend what is of Africa and nothing else. So, in short, uh, where I'm going, I'm saying you cannot then defend the interest of the other person who has seeked to to, to put Africa at jeopardy, uh, robbing the economy of the country, manipulating the people of the country, uh, manipulating the whole continent, and take all the benefits of the continent to under his armpits or under their uh, uh, continent's armpit. Because when you look at it, we are we as Africa, it means our our soul, uh living now is meant to to sustain the other continents rather than sustaining ourselves.
2: So, Tabane, in your view, was Nelson Mandela a sellout? Uh, I will I will I will try to respond broadly
5: to the to the question. Do you have a direct answer, yes, yes. or no? Uh,
2: was the, he a sellout? The
5: direct answer, of course, is yes, and it is supported by reason, of course. Mm. Uh, you cannot divorce uh, an individual from his political party and uh, political assertion. Uh, what do I mean? I mean that the whole ANC uh, sold out the, 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 the South African uh, uh, Revolution to within on Silver Plata it was during nineteen fifty five in Cliptown. Uh, because when you look at the history, history will charge that the country was at a, at a stage where apartheid was, was getting more and more every day and people were, were getting confused on how to, to fight against apartheid. But the programs which were put, I can just say from 1906 up until 1949, uh, seeked to, 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 to clarify how we want to be free ourselves as the country. I mean South Africa as a whole. Now, when you go to 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 the part where ANC adopts the Freedom Charter, uh, after some years of existence and representing a certain idea and a view, then they 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 change uh, some into to a Freedom Charter, which which had also other aspirations so and intentions insofar as the politics are concerned. So,
2: in simple terms, what would what would you have wanted to see the ANC do then? Uh, first of all. Uh, the ANC should
5: have avoided division Because division was already there Which was not on our own I mean that already at that time there was segregation The apartheid was, uh, was, was able to segregate us In terms of racial, tribalism and so on uh, When ANC uh, formed It was able to fight against uh, all those uh, minor things That made us to be divided the most but when you go as far as uh, reading the history of the ANC, uh, going towards 1949, 1950, 1951, up until the PAC breakaway from the PAC, the ANC, it tells you that ANC was not able to fight the 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 the, the, the intention that was brought forward of divide and rule. But but if it was
2: if PAC was so much better, where were you? So in 1994, you were there. You were part of the of of the of the government of national national unity and so on. So you 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 followed in the footsteps of the ANC. So how do you then come back and say that the ANC were sellouts? Were you also not sellouts? Are you? We are here because you have not also carried your weight. Uh, let me just explain it from
5: the history of the Cortes. Uh, initially, as the PAC, we were not forming part of CODESA, and it was uh, on simple principle that we viewed CODESA as not a, a, as a structure that was not legitimate to can bring out change. Because when you talk of a revolution, you talk of a total uh, uh, abolishment of what you are not uh, 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 believing in, and put what the system of the government that you believe in. So I will I will partly say. Uh, you see the reason why the PAC is in this state today. It is based on those on those particular decisions that were taken by the leadership of the PAC. Mm. Because after the leadership took a center stage that we are not going to participate in Cortesa, some of the leadership of the PAC were pro for, for, for participating in Cortesa. That's when you see PAC in Cortesa 2 coming
1: in. Tabani, I'm getting, I must be honest, I'm feeling a little bit lost in this whole situation. Uh, I know Deborah's waiting for her turn because she seems like she wants to say something as well. But it just feels like there's a lot of blame going on. You know, we, we blame this one and that one. We, we blame your own organization, the PAC, for getting involved in CODESA. And that's why we're in this situation. What have you done to make a change, to continue this change into a, a brighter democracy for black people?
5: Uh, I, will, I will talk from the historic point
1: of view No, no, no don't talk from the historic yes. point of view okay. Talk from your point of view from, What have from, you done? From, from, How old are you? Uh, I'm now uh, 29 years old 29, years. okay So you saw a little bit of of the apartheid government But uh, largely we're born into democracy, right? What have you done in our freedom To continue this change that you seek to have And that you blame Mandela for not giving you?
5: Yes, the first, the first thing that we have done Uh, As the youth of the PAC, I will speak on our behalf, all of us. Mm -hmm. When you go to uh, universities, we have intensified uh, the the policies and the principles of Pan-Africanism. The reason why we do that, we are preparing for the future because we we cannot be able to run this country abandoning our own principles and and buying to, to other principles somewhere else. That is what we have been trying to do. And on consistency uh, I think we are winning because uh, ever since I learned the history from the high school level that uh, ANC this, uh, Mandela this, and Mandela that, it changed altogether when I get to a level of uh, the technicon and the university. So after it changed, mind you, as a student in university, you've got only plus minus five years maximum. So looking at a comparative uh, years that I've spent Knowing that Mandela was so precious And ANC has been Doing so precious things for the country When I realized that in five years time We have intensified on Pan-Africanism and as we speak Now majority of the country Realized that uh, we, are not en- we are not Going anywhere without mm. economic Freedom. Okay. The formation of the EFF is not by mistake According to our understanding As the youth of the PAC But it is mainly on the basis that we've been out there vocally uh, uh, in representing what was the intention of the program of the
1: 1949. Okay. Uh, Just if you've joined us right now, we're talking about did Mandela sell out black people Um, A very interesting discussion that we've been hearing from Tabani. He's from the PAYCO, the Pan-African Youth Congress Organization. Is that correct? Of course. Great. We've also been chatting to Deborah Patter. She's the African correspondent for CBS. Deborah, you've been sitting silently through this. Any thoughts or going through your head at the moment?
3: Well, I think there are two things. Um, Firstly, Tabani, P A C has not managed to gain traction. Your organization has failed to actually gain in strength. There were many, many fine leaders within the PAC, but the PAC has been unable to organize um, post-apartheid, and even before it was failing um, in its ability to muster organization. The Economic Freedom Front has by far taken you guys over. So, I mean, I think there has to be some own internal reflection as to why the PAC and the youth have been unable to muster support. The second thing is, and I'm amazed that neither of you bother to even raise this um, with your guest, is that to make a comparison between Nelson Mandela and Hitler is obscene and that no one should be allowed to get away with that. That's shameful. It's capitalizing, sensationalism, trying to make a point that is not a point. Hitler murdered, through genocide, millions of Jewish people and other people who criticized his government. If you believe that that is the way to do something for your people, then I think that's a product of a sick mind, quite frankly. To, you cannot compare Nelson, you can make the point all you want that Nelson Mandela is a sellout, that you believe he hasn't done enough for these, for this country. But to compare Mandela to Hitler really is a low blow, it's puerile, and it doesn't contribute significantly to the debate. It just tries to make a sensational comment. It seems to be the fashion these days. Everyone brings Hitler in when they want to get public attention. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
5: yes I, 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 can, I can partly disagree with you on that, Deborah, because the, the, the statement was not explained. Mm. What does it mean? No explanation
3: well, yes. needed. It's obscene. Uh, well, we,
2: well yes. look, let, look, let, let me, let well, me before let you me. guys get in. Let, let, this is this is what he said. This was uh, Sello yes. speaking. So he said. Uh, even General Adolf Hitler was much better than Nelson Mandela. He did something for the Germans by purging the Jews. It is because of this Nelson Mandela that in South Africa, the Jews and the white settlers don't even respect our human rights. They exploit our wealth and exploit our labor in this country. It was Nelson Mandela who spearheaded the Freedom Charter. He actually even rubber-stamped the 1913 Land Act by adopting the Freedom Charter. Even the role that he played in Cordessa by making sure that the property rights of the minority rights... Are protected The fundamental rights of black people We know that even today We remain dispossessed So that those were the actual words
3: So let me ask you Tobani yes. Would your suggestion be then To round up white South Africans And put them in concentration camps And gas them to uh, death th-
5: that, that, is, that is not according to what uh, well, That's Magali what Hitler said. did no, that, that, is not, that is where the comparison comes in To say uh, Hitler was precise and he was an extremist. To answer my question. Yes. Do you think that yes. we
3: should round up white South Africans and gas them to death? Would that be the solution to economic freedom in this country? It's,
5: it's not, it's not all about white and black here. It's, it's all about who's perpetrating white against okay. them. So who. everyone
3: then who's then perpetuating that, that's white. The, exactly. Wait, 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 that, that's
5: that, why, that's yeah. why I'm saying when, when we speak of white monopoly, when we speak of white monopoly, it's not that we mean all the whites are involved in, in monopolizing. So that's what I that's what I want to clarify here. And when when the fact goes to a point of saying Hitler was better, it was on on the basis of determination, being precise, being being extreme in defending what you believe your people represent. Because when you are a leader, you are representing your certain uh, a a a a certain interest of your own people. So when Mandela does not become precise and when Mandela does not become extreme. Is is on the, the 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 direction he gives to umkonto is on the direction he gives to the arm struggle. You cannot instruct the country to say we are engaged in an arm struggle. Then all together, after some years of suffering, then you come back and make peace without even engaging in war. That was the simple sign of saying that somebody has sold out in this particular. So you wanted life. a war basically, and exactly. You wanted and, a war. And, of course, the war was imminent. The war was imminent not You Beijing. wanted
1: your own people to die So that we could have this change around Because remember, Hitler went to war World War II, he took an entire population Germany, whether you liked it or not You went to war And a number of millions of Germans died You would want a number of black South Africans To die in a war So that we could have a better South Africa According to you
5: Right now, Right now, a number of South Africans have died
1: but you not know millions no. not
5: millions you cannot say millions a number i'm saying a number it can it cannot be testified in terms of millions or hundreds but where we were fighting apartheid a number of people died and that number of people who died it triggered the armed struggle that's that's our point of argument that is why as the pac our party then becomes a, become a victim of of this particular democracy Deborah Pata knows why PAC is not going to be able to make it because it, it, it is the only party that has been trying to represent what the people of South Africa has been but representing. If the people of South Africa want
3: what the PAC stands for, why aren't they joining the PAC?
5: Of course, uh, let me let me let me let me just be frank with you on that. There is propaganda, Deborah. You know, there is propaganda, and the propaganda machinery that has been uh, put against the PAC is so strong. It also relates to how PAC is financed. How ANC is funded? How the National Party and the DAA and the DA are funded? It speaks to a lot of nitpickeries that I will be able to, to 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 defend my party around around them. Tabernic. Lastly, w- where I'm going is that uh, Heath, Hitler was the extremist, but he did not kill. He did not kill the Jews psychologically. The war was declared, and the blood was uh, uh, was spilling. <laughs> On so on that no, note, I'm saying I'm saying, you, I'm saying no, really I'm saying I'm that. saying that I'm saying
2: then you cannot perpetuate peace when there's no war. I think uh, I want to bring it back. Uh, you know, it's it's not about Hitler and so on. Exactly. Let's let's talk Mandela. Yes. Um. So what would you what what would it look like today if we were to stop the sellout and we were to change? What would it look like uh, from your point of view? What would we have to do immediately to to make sure that we reverse the sellout? Of course. It goes
5: back because you can't run away. You, we, we 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 can't run away from the fact. The revolution is one here. At the end, the perpetrators will be fired. Will be pushed out of this particular country. Mm-hmm. At the end, and that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. At the end, I don't know which year. I don't know when are we going to attain no, but, that. But, but, if but if you had the, the end, power
2: right now, what you would do is you would chase white people, get them onto boats, and get them out of South Africa. Not white
5: people necessarily. Okay, but those who represent the interest the interest of the colonizer. How how will you identify them? They are identifiable. How? They are identifiable. Look, let me just speak in terms of business. Mm. I I will speak very proudly. The Tokyo Sehualis are the the representative of these particular people I'm talking about. Mm. So So when you say white people, that's why I'm saying no, not only white people. What about
2: Julius? Julius Malema? They are the embodiment. They are the embodiment of the very same. So the only people that would be remaining would be PAC leaders. Are, maybe, with ASASCO, <laughs> maybe with Azasko.
5: Maybe with Azasko. And uh-huh. even, in, even amongst us in the PAC. Mm. Even amongst us in the PAC. There are those who are having that particular mentality. So by hence, a, hence I said, look, the PAC, the, the decision of our party was not to participate even in Cortesa. But through the certain individuals. If I can make an example, the former president of the PAC, uh, Littlap Patlele, even today... He disregarded the TRC mm. Up until today, he has led this particular party Up until today, he has been attacked leading this particular party
1: Okay yes. Tabani, thank you so much for your time uh, We've been speaking to uh, Tabani is the president of the S-A- PAYCO uh, That's the Pan-African Youth um, Sorry, flip Congress Organization Is that correct? Yes I just want to, I didn't want to get that wrong Tabani, thank you for your time Really appreciate it Rory, um your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, it's it's a difficult one. Uh, I I disagree with with Tabani in terms of whether Nelson Mandela sold out or not. But but I I do I hear the frustration around uh you know the, the the ideals of freedom and so on not being delivered. They were not delivered. He's right. Uh how how they would want to deal with it, I I'm not sure I agree. Uh I don't think I agree actually. Um you know it, it reminds me of, of of Nelson Mandela. I wonder if we can actually bring bring that up. You know when when Nelson Mandela was asked, you know, are we going for communist are you going to go for a communist uh economy or are you going for a capitalist economy? And and he just said, Look, we're practical people, we're going for what works. And and the PAC uh, sounds like to me, and I'm, uh, you know, I might be wrong, but it's, it sounds like they're going for a system that has proven itself not to work across the world, um, and and the proof of that, interestingly, is the PAC itself, uh, which 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 does not have funding is unable to drive its agenda. So. The question that, that, that comes to me is, you know, why would you? So, yes, you want to drive this particular agenda, but you're not empowered to do that. So mm. so all you have is you've got great ideals, but you can't empower, you can't drive your programs and so on. So then why does the PAC deserve to exist? And and because it cannot, it cannot move its agenda forward. It does not have the resources, the resources to do that. So for me, it, it, it lands me in that space where I feel my brother. I feel where he's coming from. But the methods I I can't agree with.
1: I think it's I think it's nullified completely and utterly nullified right now because um you you can't bring a debate w- which has good points and then slay it out with saying no we must get rid of all the the people that represent colonization and then direct that that point to to black people that have made it you know the Tokyo the Sir Rama pauses right Wh- for whatever not? he did wrong or right
2: let me ask why not why can't
1: you well. Then are you saying that a, a colonizer is a person who's worked hard and made money? Is that what you're saying? Because that's exactly what's well, being happening y- here.
2: Well, you, you start referring to—I think uh, I might be speaking on his behalf—but uh, there are things called gatekeepers, um, black people who have been put there by uh, and are considered puppets um, for this, for this, for, for this monopoly capital, as they mm. put it. So,
1: are you a puppet, Rory? Because uh,
2: you've made it, I haven't seen the strings.
1: <laughs> you've made it, so you'd also be on the boat, which is a bit worrying for me because then we'd really <laughs> have no one boat. left. Yeah. I'm definitely going, but you're going too. Um, Deborah, your thoughts on on some of the things that have been relayed here on the P.A.C. Uh, you're a bit angry that we didn't pick up on on the Hitler thing. Anything positive that came out of the P.A.C.'s perspective? A P.A.Y.C.O. Sorry, let me not say the the P.A.C. here.
3: Let's leave a PSE perspective for now. I mean, I think the issue is because – I mean, I think it's it's a, such a confused debate that it's not worth it for me. But I think the issue about whether Mandela is a seller, which is what your theme is here today, is really the, the concern. Um, and as I, I stick to my original point, I haven't changed. Nobody's convinced me otherwise because I don't think any arguments have been made out because nobody can lay out what South Africa would look like if things had been done differently. And and I think that what everybody is forgetting and what I keep raising is that history is fluid. You can keep changing it as you go along. Mm. So you do one thing because it's important in the moment because there's violence and bloodshed everywhere. And you want to stop people being killed, people, black people in the townships who are losing their lives in dozens every single day in South Africa. So you stop that bloodletting to try and just get a bit of a breather. Okay, And you have a situation, a genuine one, where everybody can vote for the first time. And, of course, when everybody votes for the first time, they vote for a black president, something that the apartheid government tried to avoid for so long because they were racist. Um, The second thing then is you say, okay, but now we have to do something about the economics in this country. And I think that that's where we floundered, is that we thought the one was enough. And that people would just sort of go on goodwill and sort of fresh air. But nobody does that. Nobody gives up things willingly because it's not very easy to do so. It somehow doesn't come naturally to us as a nation. Um, And so there, I think, is the rub. That's where something needs to have been done differently. But I haven't heard anyone here today spell it out.
1: Where did Mandela in your mind go wrong?
3: I think where Mandela went wrong was, and I don't think it was Mandela as a whole, I think it was the ANC. I mean, I think the cadessa process was very flawed. And I think that negotiation, because it, because there was an effort to try and sort of bend over backwards and make white South Africans feel part of it, to have the enemy inside the tent pissing out, as it were, rather than outside the tent pissing in. <laughs> and that essentially became the sort of theme of Kadesa. Um, and there was a point where it nearly fell apart. Mandela was furious. And the reason Mandela and de Klerk never got on, they had no love for each other, was de Klerk. Everyone at lords I don't think he should ever have won a Nobel Peace Prize, um, in many ways, because force he was- Forced into a position of peace. Well, he was fermenting, I mean, he, he knew that there were, um, black, in Carter, MPs, funded by right-wing third force, fermenting violence in the townships. And that's why Mandela got so angry and got up to criticize him at the Kadessa, um, negotiations, and the whole thing nearly fell apart, because Mandela felt betrayed by that. Um, look, de Klerk certainly did wonderful things, and that's why he won the Peace Prize in the end, because he um, did open the way to some extent to allow for the negotiated settlement to take place, and he must get credit for that. But it wasn't enough, and I think what Mandela and the ANC did wrong was in that Cadessa negotiations, um, look for other ways to try and ensure that there would be economic freedom in this country. Not Perhaps we didn't understand enough. Um, about political freedom. But remember also then we were hit by HIV AIDS in this country. Mm. No one saw that one coming.
2: De- Deborah, you, you say, you know, we can't paint an alternative picture of how South Africa would have been. Mm. Um, and, and Tabane has, has, has suggested that, you know, the war should have continued because, you know, black people continue to die in other ways. It might not be through the bullet of a gun, but they continue to, to die. So, so the deaths continue in spite of, um, what do, how do you respond to somebody who says, uh, um, uh, you know, dulce et decorum est pro patria
3: mori? Look at the wars around the world. What have they ever achieved? Okay, because all it does is create a cycle. You know, this one kills that one, and then they're angry, and they hold bitter resentments for years, and then they kill people. I mean, watched a documentary the other day on on, um, Indonesia and the killings there and the purges um, of the communists, and the communists did terrible things, and then they did terrible things to the communists. And so this vicious cycle goes on. We've seen it in Africa with the um, genocide, with the Tutsis and the Hutus, and the ones in power, they kill others, and then the others in power, these resentments just grow and grow and grow. So, war doesn't, at the end, resolve anything.
2: Is that not better than 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 uh, the vast majority, about eighty-eight percent of the country, um, sharing in a very limited amount of the wealth, while eight percent of the country enjoys the, is the dignity, the indignity of 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 the black suffering? Is that mm. is that not better? Then at least we're all suffering. You know, how do you respond to that? At least then we're all because the white people uh, are getting off scot-free, as as one would say.
3: Is it not better to try and make changes now? Why why is it too late? Mm. It's not too late now. It's not too late. I mean, we, we could have a government that does the right thing. You know, if we'd actually built houses for the last 21 years and educated people properly for the last 21 years, there would have been some change.
2: So what what does that change look like? In your, in your view, if we had to make that radical change that goes beyond just uh, uh, plastering over the issues, what would that look like? In it
3: would way? probably look like whites having less economic power that black people would be participating properly in the economy, and not just at an upper level, but at a lower level as well. I mean, when you travel elsewhere on this continent, it's a very different, it feels more African. It doesn't feel like that here, because actually whites have got richer Mm. Since um, the end of apartheid they've benefited dramatically, so it would look very different in that sense it doesn 't mean that people would lose everything, but it means maybe they didn't need as much as they had
2: so in practical terms you would you would support uh, a notion where we took some of the white people's property and 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 transferred it to black people if it was done in an orderly way, so you would support even taking land and so on
3: I think the land issue was definitely not addressed properly mm. and that and that at the end of the day that 's what the Psalms dealt to people they gave back now white owned land to black people in that country it, it's profound what they've done um, and it was a very very hard and painful thing I mean he actually would have been a better person to speak to in a sense because they went through that process through the agony of it it's not that it's impossible it is possible to do but I, I don't for one second I mean I don't really have land that can be taken away um, and so I, I, I can't speak on behalf of people who own But you got investments land. we can take One, you can have it. Actually, (laughs) (laughs) I'd like something better.
2: I'll be be at your door. I'll be at your door after the show,
1: (laughs) Deborah Patta. Thank you so much for your time, Uh, African uh, correspondent uh, for CBS. You can follow her at Deborah underscore Patta, and uh, it's P A T T A, and it's D E B. ORA that's where you can catch her. Uh, Deborah, thank you for giving us a little bit of insight into what it was like the life and times of Mandela and what we went through. We seem to forget that. And I, I mean Rory, Deborah raises a very good point and maybe that's where we should start in terms of reflection. You know, we keep these articles, there's this feeling that we keep going back to this idea of everything has happened, the game is over, we have lost and now we're reviewing. Mm. You know what I mean? It's it's like it's, it's the World Cup all over again. Mm. Brazil lost to Germany. There were eight goals. Now we need to reflect why they got thumped. Instead of going, actually, we can still do things, right? Mm. There's still a way forward here. And we, the people of South Africa, both black and white, can forge that way forward.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's quite, it's, it's a pity that we couldn't get Azania, uh, Malaika Azania on, um, she was supposed to be on. Um, she writes a piece called The Mandela of White People. Mm. And, um, it's interesting. She, she was detained in Morocco for, I think, was it three days or so? Um, because she didn't have, or there was an issue with a visa and so on. And just three days. And, you know, She says, you know, you were, she was detained in Morocco and eventually she just decided over with it. When they fixed it and they said, okay, sorry, this was a misunderstanding. You can come in. She said, no, I'm over it. She was supposed to attend a conference on something or another. And this is the same person who has, who has critiqued Mandela in certain respects to say, if three days of, of you being detained and so on breaks you, uh, what about Try a man? Who, what about 27 years? You know, do you still call a man who spent 27 years in prison, uh, and still comes out fighting, um, do you still call him that? But, you know what? There are people like, uh, Winnie Mandela, she, she refutes it, but there are people like Winnie Mandela who says, you know, he went into prison for 27 years as a, as, as a revolutionary, and look what came out. Um, so, so they were there. She was there. Uh, we can't say she also suffered, and, and she feels that, uh, she was let down. So.
1: We we both come from the same side on this point, uh, going into this conversation. Did Mandela, you know, sell out black people? And I suppose economically, there's a question about that. Has any conversation here or any thought changed your mind? No.
2: I don't think Man- Nelson Mandela sold out uh, black people because I think it's very easy to look in hindsight and say, um, yes, he sold it. He did not deliver economic freedom, but these things I don't think could be delivered uh, wholesale as well. Yes, we are able to think about economic freedom now because we have attained political freedom. It was not something that we thought about hectically at that time because we were still fighting for political freedom. That was delivered. The question is. Can you and me deliver that economic freedom now as, as the generation that needs to take over from Mandela? That is the big thing. Deborah mentioned the big thing there to say we are the ones that Sell out every single day, black and white, white people because they spit in the face of this Mandela that they praise every day when they refuse to confront this issue of privilege, unjust, ill-gotten privilege, and to 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 just let go. Mandela in this couple interview, uh, and uh, and anyone who's listening should just go on and listen to yeah, it. Yeah, we'll put on the links. It's it's really he speaks about it's very difficult to deal with people who are who are negotiating from a point of self-interest. And white people have to confront the self-interest, um, to say, you know, is it better that 88% of the country remains so poor while 8% remains so much relatively better off? And you say, and you then go on and say, uh, people must work hard when, when 88% of the country was held back from competing with you in order for you to get where you are. So that needs to be confronted.
1: It's a very interesting one and I think one, one which we need to explore further. A white privilege show is ringing in my ears here and uh, that we need to discuss, Rory. Um, I think that's, that's probably where we're going to need to leave it with regards to Mandela and whether he was a sellout. Uh, I think from us. Andrew, quick one. You? Yes. Me? Mm. What do you think? I don't think Mandela was a sellout. Um, I think that if anything, the ANC would have sold out on certain things, but relativity for me is very important. You know, Twenty one years ago Rory as a black person would not be sitting in the studio. He would have to have a pass with him which would only allow him to be here until five o'clock. He would only be allowed to live in certain places. He wouldn't be allowed to to hold on to land, to own land. He wouldn't be allowed certain justices, to be educated. And that was twenty one years ago. You know, that man and the ANC of that time brought us out of that, which is humongous. Okay? There is a lot of work to be done. White people do need to own up to a number of facts, a number of things that are still outstanding. And I think it's on us as the next generation to take that forward. It's on the leadership of the next ANC, DA, EFF, or whatever, to take that forward and the people of South Africa to be empowered to make the changes. That's how I feel personally.
2: Perfect. <laughs> Nothing more to
1: add. <laughs> it's one minute to ten. Thank you so much for listening to uh, Rory and Levy. We're back here next week. Uh, if you missed some of it, www.cliffcentral.com. Check out Was Mandela a Sellout? What are your thoughts? Uh, hit us up on Twitter. We'll continue the conversation on social media and put those links up as we spoke about earlier. Uh, have yourself a fantastic Wednesday. Rookies and Rockstars is up next. Cliffcentral.com.